stay there. You know what? I believe that every single person on this planet can make a difference. And I believe that we all have something to offer, something that's so unique that it will change somebody else's life. I believe we all deserve to step into our true selves. And I believe that every single person needs to feel great about themselves. I want you to step into who you truly are and I want you to make a difference for somebody else and for yourself. And I don't think it's that hard. It's a matter of putting one step in front of the other and just taking action. And I'm interviewing guests that have done just that. I'm Karen Vaughan. This is the Get Off The Bench podcast. And here is where you can make that decision to make your life count. It all starts with you saying yes. Hey guys, and welcome back to another week of the Get Off The Bench podcast. Now, today we are going to be talking about men being vulnerable and stepping into their heart space, which I tell you what, if we could get more people, not just men, um, operating from a really beautiful place from their heart, imagine how incredible this world would be. Uh, It's something I really think we all should start to think about a bit more is, is what's my heart feeling about this situation? And you know, is there something I need to do better or could do better or could do with more love? You know what I'm like with that. Anyway, today I'm talking with um, Adam Stanecki. So let me tell you about him. He's, he's wonderful. For almost 30 years, Adam Stanecki has been investigating how to live the best life possible. He began by doing a lot of work on himself and has since helped thousands of people on their journeys as well. Adam now holds space and provides guidance as a wholehearted men's coach so that he can support men to be all that they can be and in turn be of great service to the world. Throughout his life, Adam has been a massage therapist, personal trainer, gym owner, business coach, clinical hypnotherapist and men's coach. Adam believes that the answers to the big questions present themselves when we get out of our heads and into our hearts. Couldn't agree more. Welcome, Adam. Thank you for having me, Karen. (laughs) It's my absolute pleasure. I'm honoured to be here. (laughs) Fantastic. I love what you're doing and and there's not enough, uh, I guess, programs or genuine things out there for men, you know, where men can truly be themselves. So I I absolutely love that. But you didn't, there's no but, but but there is a but, but you didn't start there. Like there's a lot of exploring that that you had to do before you, you you came to that point and 30 years of mm-hmm. searching, that's, well, well, they say that, don't they, that we take a lifetime, it's a lifetime of, of exploration and discovery and, but, you know, I think there are points where we, like you, 30 years where we, we, we hit on something, we have this realisation, we think, oh, my God, why didn't I see that before and, you know, now now I can teach other people and share it. So what triggered that 30 years of, I'm going to say, exploring being human? <laughs> yeah, huge question, huge question. And I recently got asked this as well, and I got put on the spot with it. So I'm actually, this is one of the few times I'm going to be prepared for a question. <laughs> I think it started with being a child of eight years old and starting my martial arts participation so my parents took me along to a judo class in the western suburbs of melbourne in this old community hall it was effectively looked like a big water tank turned on its side (laughs) 
So you can imagine, I mean, it was Melbourne, so Melbourne's not a hot place, but it was hot in there. Yeah. It was hot. Uh, so Judah, and I think it was like a dollar or two dollars a session. It was, it was, no one was trying to make any money out of it. Yeah. And so that started me at a really young age being interested in Eastern martial arts, first of all, because there's fighting and throwing people and all of that kind of stuff and Bruce Lee movies. <laughs> but then it became about Eastern philosophy. So I started investigating Buddhism and Taoism and, and Confucianism, and then that moved into India, which was like a deep dive because as soon as you get into Hindu mythology, mm. there's a god for everything. Mm. Yep. So, so at first it was this thirst for knowledge and an investigation of all the philosophical ideas in and around life, and I actually went Eastern first before I came back Western and had a look at some of the darker stuff yep. that, the, that the Western crew got into out of Europe. Uh, so that's where it started. And I think part of it was as a young man, I held a lot of anger and I didn't know where the anger came from, nor why I responded in that way all of the time. It was my default setting. If something went wrong, I would, my, mum was, my mum would always say, you don't defend, you attack. In fact, attack is your best form of defence. Just go at people all the time. And it all came from anger and I didn't understand that. So... I had to learn how to investigate that because it wasn't working very well for me, not at work, not in relationships. You know, I had a number of romantic relationships that fell over and it wasn't their fault, it was my fault. Yep. So as a young man, I had to investigate that. Uh, and as you say, this idea of being a men's coach, a leader in the men's space, helping men find themselves is only a recent thing because I'm a big believer in lived experience. Yeah. So I had to do that living as a man, working out man stuff to be able to lead from a place of knowing some part of it and being honest and open enough to say, I'm still making up a lot of this stuff as I go along. Well, I think all of us are. I think if we're, we're going to be honest, you know, it's only to, to be able to teach something, you only have to be a few steps ahead of somebody else mm. and give them some value, you know, and, and it's still it's still worth it. But I think um, it's. I think when I hearing when I'm hearing you talking about judo and you're all fighting and that, and it's this sort of it is you know very attractive to young boys. You know, if I fight and I learn to fight, I can win the fight. You know, and that sort of stuff. And and it has been for a long time uh, in Western in the Western world. I'm not going to say the Eastern world, but in that boys are you know they they're raised to be fighters and be tough and to you know all this kind of be macho and everything else and it's it's funny because well most of us women not all us or most of us women absolutely bloody hate that it's kind of like why do you have to be such dickheads you know i don't have to be like that but, but and it's it's interesting from this perspective the male perspective as well because the modern world doesn't want masculine men mm. And, and we've, we've, we've gotten a bit confused between macho and masculine, and yep. I can understand not wanting the macho, yep. but there's nothing wrong with the masculine. Yeah. And that boys wanting to fight is a very natural thing, but channeling that, same as I talked a moment ago about my anger, well, if I can channel that, I can have righteous anger and use that to power some kind of purposeful activity. Yep rather than just flying off the handle and smacking someone down the street because they cut in at the roundabout or something. <laughs> you know, that, that doesn't make any sense. That's, that's crazy behaviour. That's silly. Yeah. 
so there is this, like, I can understand women saying, let's well, stop being a dickhead, mate. I get that. And then there's the flip side of, well, what am I supposed to do? It's very confusing as a man. Our, our fathers, so my dad was born in the 50s. I was born in the 70s. My dad came from that very blokey Australian culture. His parents were immigrants, lived in the country, worked on a farm, very tough. Mm. So he didn't really share any of the more vulnerable, we might say feminine kind of qualities with me, not because he didn't want to. It just wasn't part of his upbringing. Yeah. Then you keep going back. I mean, if you go back to his dad, he grew up in the war Mm. in Poland. So he fought. So you think... I'm not that far removed. My dad grew up, was close to being drafted to go to Vietnam. So he almost fought. And a lot of his friends or people from his generation did. So there's a bunch of men my age. So I'm 45 now. Maybe by the time I'm 50, I'll work some of this stuff out. (laughs) We come from, many of us, from broken men who've been to war. So, And that, that is, some people talk about ancestral wounds. Now, whether that comes down in the genes, whether we just learn it by osmosis living with these men in our families, you know, we, we still carry it. And now what we're doing is we're navigating this world that says, don't be so blokey. Don't be so aggressive. Settle down. And so is that stripping the masculinity from men? Mm. Because there's pluses and minuses in that. It's like if we look at femininity, and it doesn't have to be in a woman because there are aspects, right? Mm. There are positive and negative aspects of femininity, much like there are of masculinity. Mm. So it's a, for many men, especially the men I talk to who are investigating this kind of material, it's a tightrope to try and navigate. Like society wants this, my partner wants this, my kids want this, I want this, dad taught me that. Mm. So it's, uh, it's interesting. It's like spinning plates. Yeah, it absolutely is. But I think it's um I think that I think in a perfect world everybody should be in touch with their masculine side and their feminine side and and we just live as we are and we just you know you know not 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 overexert on either of them and just just be at peace and at balance with both in an ideal world that would be absolutely fantastic. Now, the stuff you're talking about too, you know, women have gone through this for years and years, you know, don't don't turn up in jeans and don't do this and don't yes. speak like that and you for, to be a woman you have to do that. So it's it's kind of a and and men are kind of now experiencing some of the same stuff that you know that women have endured for a long time so mm-hmm. but I think that you know women are, are a lot better at um, seeking help and listening you know and taking advice and I don't mean taking advice don't wear jeans that kind of thing but um, taking advice to you, you know oh maybe I could do more to make, make my life better you know maybe I could listen more maybe I could take that on and I'm not saying all women I'm being an absolute generalist there because you know I know some that are just not like that but a lot of men have been taught that I'm not going to reflect I'm not going to cry I'm not going to look at my femininity you know because that's weak and mm-hmm. and I'm not saying it's weak, but that's what they've been led to believe that it, that it's a weakness to do that. So, I love what you're doing because I think that we need a lot more men just to be to show more vulnerability, you know, to show more openness and more heart, you know, like like what you're doing. So I, I loved it. What were some of the key turning points along your way that along you know this 30 years? Like were there were there sort of things that smacked you in the head? <laughs> Speaking of judo, you know. Um, yeah. That, you know, that were 
were real turning points for you? It's it's an interesting one because I have a I have a very organic way of moving through life. Yeah. And instead of banging up against something, I try and flow past it. I mean, I try. You know, I do my best. As I, every now and then, I just run into the wall with my face, <laughs> and then I have to pick myself up. But I think I mentioned before, you know, like my first really serious relationship, which was out of high school and into university, that went horribly wrong at the end. So that required me. And I spent a good two years out of relationships trying to work out what that was about and going through all of, you know, it's almost like a grief cycle. First, it's her fault. How could she do that to me before I work out that the control is not out there? It's in here. Yeah. And what can I do about that? So that, that would be one. So there's a 20-something-year-old, 20-year-old, 21-year-old man trying to work it out. Mm. And then, again, you know, I followed, I followed the recipe as a young man. I went to high school and I behaved myself. Mm. And then I did as well as I could. And then I went to university and I got my degree and then I went and got a job. And I didn't really enjoy the job, but I went and got the job. So, you know, there's a turning point in that where I worked out, I'm getting really frustrated here in this <laughs> job. There's a, there's a reason for that. What's going on? I think I need to pull the pin on this. And so that was take off to London for a year and work some stuff out. Yeah. So that was a big one. Yeah. Um, and I'm sure we, I, could, I could, if I sat here and thought about it in some silence, which probably wouldn't make for a great podcast, <laughs> I'd think of more. Yeah, but you know, there's there's a big stuff like, of course, there's there's the major milestones like getting married, mm. and then trying to work out how do I live with another human being and create uh, as great a relationship as we can together. How do I navigate her emotions and my emotions and her needs and my needs and her wants and my wants, and then you throw two grenades, being my children, in the middle of it. Mm. And they are beautiful grenades because as soon as you feel like you've got it worked out, they'll find something else to, to, to blow up. And they're the most beautiful little souls in the world, but it's not easy. So <laughs> they came along. That's a turning point. I can remember when our firstborn, my son, Will, came home and we sat him on the lounge room floor on a pillow all swaddled and we sat on the couch and just looked at him. And at one point we looked at each other and said, now what do we do? Mm. We didn't get the instruction manual with that. Yep. <laughs> that was an experience. So all of a sudden I'm, how old was I, 32. Still don't really know how to tie up my own shoelaces as a man and now I'm a husband and a father. Oh, I better put my big boy pants on here and work some stuff out. <laughs> uh, I love it. I lo- yeah, we've got a couple of teenagers, so I love the grenades. Yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use that one. But it's, it's, it's sort of... <laughs> I think it's with everybody, isn't it, that when you, as you're going through life, it's the the, the turning points are the, the times when you really experience pain or you're really fearful of experiencing pain, you know, and that's when you stop and reflect. And otherwise we're just, we just keep going blindly through everything, you know, but it's, we're, we're, yes. we're so hell bent to avoid pain, you know, that some of us will stop and reflect and some will just smash all the way through it and hurt others as they go. But so you've held many um, spaces, mostly in well-being. And uh, was there a specific moment that made you think, "I need to focus on men"? So you know, you're, you're doing all this healing stuff and everything else. Well, what was it that went, "I need this to be about men"? That's a really good question. So I've sat, I moved, I moved to Noosa 
Sunshine Coast, I should say, because I'm just out of Noosa six years ago, give or take. And it was very much the sea change. Get away from the environment that I was in in Melbourne and the kind of people that I was around. I had a great circle of friends uh, and yet not exactly what I was looking for. I'm still in contact with some of them, but not all of them. I didn't like the environment, didn't like space, so I move up here. It's much more relaxed. There's sunshine. We're five minutes from the beach. And, you know, like, so coming to men, when I got here, I found a men's group. And it was the first time I really sat with a group of men who talked real shit, who didn't talk about the weather, who didn't talk about how many women they'd had sex with, who didn't talk about the footy, the rugby, the cricket. And so we shared our stuff. And like, ah, oh, this, 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 this is where the work is. Yeah. Men learning and understanding that it is okay, that vulnerability is not weakness. It's actually strength, and it takes a lot of courage to be vulnerable. People have this misconception about what that word even means. Yeah, they do. You know, I, I would say someone, you know, like think of your alpha male special forces soldier, and he goes out of the frying pan and into the fire. He's vulnerable. Yeah. He just has some tools to handle the fact that he's vulnerable. He knows he might die. Yeah. And it takes him courage to do that. He knows he might get hurt. And there's an analogy there. The vulnerability is knowing you might get hurt but still still travelling that path. That takes courage and strength, fortitude. So we misunderstand that. So I sat with these men. And I'd been coaching people in a gym. I'd been coaching martial arts. I'd done business coaching which kind of morphed into psychotherapy because it's never about business. It's always about the person. And then it just sort of came to me that I can affect change with men mm. because I understand the experience of being a man. And I've worked in a therapeutic context with women. I love it. But I don't understand the experience of being a woman as deeply as I understand the experience of being a man. Uh, and Honestly, it was more intuitive than intellectual. I kind of felt into it and I felt that's where the work was and that if I can help one man relate better to his wife or his partner, his children, his community, his father, his mother, his brother and sister, that, that echoes out. Mm. So whilst I might say I'm helping men, I'm helping the women around that man as well and the man, the men around that man as well. But it's kind of like my little wedge into the world of helping people. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, I absolutely love that. And then you're right because it's not any healing that you do or any therapy or any groups or conversation, anything that you do, it's not just helping you. It is, it's always helping the relationships around you and, and uh, yeah, I love it. Um, now you talk about wholeheartedness, right? And that was in the intro, and that you you and that's on your website. You you're very wholehearted, and you also say that you're helping men move from their head to their hearts. So mm. is is it a common issue for men to be sitting? Because I'm not a man. You, you you're you know you're the one that has the experience. <laughs> is it common for men to be sitting in their head and mm. and just maybe disconnect their heart? mostly, you know, or, or not really pay attention to it? Yeah, I would say predominantly. I would say I, I don't know of many men that I have met that haven't done some serious work that are 
by default in their heart space. It doesn't. It just doesn't seem to be what happens. Yeah. It seems that to find someone who's coming from the heart has done work to get there. And I think that's a consequence of what we're taught both explicitly and implicitly as boys. Yep. We're taught to be problem solvers. We're brought up to be providers, protectors. All of that requires a tool that fixes something. Mm. You don't fix with your heart. You fix with your, your head, your brain, your mind, your thinking, your intellect. So all of a sudden we become problem solvers. Mm. And there's that beautiful, uh, <laughs> it's a beautiful problem where you think you can outthink your thinking by thinking more. <laughs> I love it. Because <laughs> that's all we know. Oh, so it's a problem. What's the problem? I think too much. What are you doing about it? I'm thinking about what I'm thinking about. How's that working out for you? Let me think about that some more. I mean, it sounds crazy. It sounds crazy. So I use the, you know, and for some people it's metaphor. For some people it's real. And we, we can talk anatomy about the heart mind and heart space and the heart intelligence. Uh, or you can talk about chakras. You know, you can talk about all of this opening up. Yeah. One of the things I use with men sometimes who get a little bit confused with the language is to say it's the difference between intellect and intuition. Yeah. And for some guys it's best to say, have you ever just gone with your guts and it's worked out okay and you didn't sense yourself and overthink it and say no, like you just went into it and it was perfect. It was brilliant. So that's kind of what I'm pointing to. Uh, and I think it's really important because we need to live in both spaces. Yeah. You know, the, the difficulty that I see is, and this is from Ram Das, who is, you know, he's, he's my guru without him being my guru, right? This guy that just went and found a real true guru and then brought the knowledge back. But he talks about the mind being your master, not being your slave. Mm. And that's part of the problem. If our mind is our master and we let it do all of the doing, and it runs the whole show, mm. then we're in trouble. But if it becomes a tool that we can use and we can become the master of it, just like our lungs breathe for us, our heart beats for us, our eyes see for us, just let our brain think for us. But don't make it run everything. So how do you do that? Okay, start feeling. That is so true. That's so true that um, by default we let our brain do all the work. We we do, and when you you know it is our master. Like unless unless we've done some training or unless we've become aware of it and then started to shift that focus and started to really take charge of what we're thinking because most people don't think what am I thinking most people just let the thinking happen and and we just do it and we follow it and we're always getting ourselves into trouble but it's once we actually start asking the question well wait wait is that correct where does that belief come from you know why am I thinking that it's not until we start asking the questions that we can start to have some control over our mind you know that great saying don't always believe what your mind what is it don't always believe what your mind says or something like yeah that. I, I don't know exactly what it is but I agree with that completely <laughs> I remember reading in it might have been a Buddhist book or a meditation book where they were, they were talking about we still we've got all of this science we still don't know what thoughts are yeah we don't know where they come from and this book used the analogy that it's almost like your your brain or your mind if we if we move away from the anatomy that your mind is it's like a radio that picks up signals yeah because 
how many times have you had a thought that was ostensibly your thought, but you have no idea where that came from? It's not you. It, like You would not even associate with that as part of your personality. Yep. Like the thoughts I've had of like beating someone up because they sneezed at the movies or something. I'm like, where did that come from? I'm not a violent person. I enjoy martial arts and violent movies, but I don't go around having fights. <laughs> so why have I got that? And, was, and, and then the next layer to that is if I let myself judge that thought as if that's me, then I'm going down the rabbit hole. I'm starting to get into a shame spiral. I'm starting to value my own worth less. Mm. I'm starting to have you know, ego problems, right? Challenges around my ego. And then I can, I have seen and I still see that you know, th- that kind of a spiral can lead to depression and anxiety. Yeah. Because effectively what's going on is there's just so much going on between the ears that you can't deal with what's coming. And it presents in for most people, one of two ways. You either go up and you think too much or you think too much and you go down. I think that you're probably getting um, intuitively picking up on my thoughts when I'm in a cinema and someone's sitting behind me eating, munching on popcorn with their mouth open. So, yeah, you're, you're probably getting my thoughts. <laughs> yeah. uh, I've, I've actually gotten to the point in cinemas where, see, I used to, sit with feeling really frustrated and angry, like you're making too much noise. But I worked out recently that just, Adam, just use your voice and you don't have to be rude, mean, nasty or anything. I went into a cinema here. Like there's no one in the cinemas around here. It's so quiet. And two ladies sat and talked like they were in a coffee shop and they were just next to me. And I just walked over and said, excuse me, ladies, I appreciate you might be having an important discussion now, but you can go outside and, ha- and do that because I'm watching this movie. I've paid to watch this movie in silence. And they, they gave me the oh, 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 and then just left. Yeah, but it, oh, all right. No, didn't, I have see, choke, now, didn't have to choke them. Yeah, see, now I want to judge because I'm kind of like, why the hell would you go into a movie and start talking? But anyway, let's oh, get off that we're both going to drag our egos into it if we don't shut up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. So, so how are you helping men, you know, to get into their hearts? Oh, such a good question, Karen. There's so many doorways in. <laughs> this is one of those, there's a little bit of it depends because it depends where men are on the path. Yeah. yeah. So I'll give, I'll give you two processes that I use. The first one is I try and pull people away, I try and pull people, not just men, away from mindfulness and meditation at the start because there are misunderstandings about what they are and then all of a sudden the mind gets involved again and starts judging if you're doing mindfulness or meditation right. Yeah. So I will ask a client to sit somewhere, preferably on a cushion because it's slightly different. They're not the dining room table, they're not lying down in their bed that's disassociated from other activities. And do nothing. And I say literally no space thing. Do no thing. Hmm. So it works on many levels. First of all, it gives the chance for the mind to just go off the leash. And even with no instruction, at some point, that person becomes aware that their brain is going berserk because it's been given the opportunity. The other thing that happens with even in that small time of five minutes, the brain gets to do its thing. So all of a sudden it's easy to fall asleep at night because that's not the quiet time for the brain to do its dance. You did it earlier. 
Yep. <laughs> yeah. And there becomes this experience of, hang on, I do have the time for this to allow for myself. And when you think about it, what's happening is the mind's doing its thinking, but the activity is sitting still. So there's something about what's going on in the body. So for most people like me, 45, as I said, I do Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. It's a grappling martial art. So if I sit still with a decent posture, the left side of my back will play up. So I've got to sit there with that discomfort. Now I can choose to move and do something about it or I can just sit with it and I can lean into the discomfort. Now, for a client, I don't have to explain that. I let them find that themselves. So that's one way in, which I find to be really interesting because there's no... There's no layering of this is what you need to do. Follow the breath, count to this, say this mantra, sit this way, look at a wall. There's no structure other than sit still. And honestly, if you move around, that's okay. If someone says to me, I don't have five minutes, I'm like, well, give me two. Just give me two. And then maybe three next time. And then the other one is I like to do activities focusing on the physical sensations of the body because that starts to teach awareness of sensation and feeling and we don't even use the e-word so we're not talking about emotions we're not talking about those feelings we're just talking about physical feeling so again this idea of moving into the heart it's kind of moving into the body mm. what can you feel and so if someone can't really get a sense of something or just ask them that's when i start asking to follow the breath just pay attention and for most people if they're breathing through the nose they can feel it right on the tip of their nose People listening all of a sudden start to feel that because there's, yeah, there's, me too. Yeah, there's the implicit <laughs> suggestion there, right? Yeah. But you can feel it there. And then eventually as you become more and more sensitive, you can feel it all the way down mm. and all the way back up again. So all of a sudden you're out of your mind. It's still thinking somewhere, but your focus is internal. And so there, there are two ways. In. I mean, there, and there are multitude of ways to go about it but they're they're where i start most people but we could all learn from that not just men you know that's I what i mean it's for people yeah we 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 just um we 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 thrash ourselves so much you know and we're, it's almost like we're unconsciously just moving through the day and well running through the day do you, you know and we we don't stop enough and we don't even do the two minutes often you know just no. to just stop take take three deep breaths and, and in fact if only we stopped for like 30 seconds and took three deep breaths you know that that would change everything for us but i but we does. don't it does i know so it literally that literally does it changes your blood chemistry it changes everything. That's like, so I used to run a hypnotherapy psychotherapy clinic before I moved into coaching. And the only reason I moved out of it was I didn't like the roles and the expectations of therapist client, therapist patient, really. So I call it coaching because we're, we're, we're at the we're level. We're just sitting in space together. I'm kind of, I'm your Sherpa. You know, I'm, hel I'm helping you. I'm climbing the mountain with you. Yeah. Uh, but I'm not going to fix you because you're not there to be fixed. Uh, see, I've gone off on a tangent again, Karen, and I can't even remember what I was going to say. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> but the, the breathing thing. So one of the things people would come in, ah, oh, I'm anxious or I've got anxiety. Oh, okay, that's beautiful. I don't care what you call it. What's going on? I'm thinking too much. All right, practice this. And it would be sit down, put your feet on the floor, press your hands together, physical sensation, grounded, boom, take three deep breaths. Now look around the room. Now all, it's a disconnect. It's a, it's a circuit breaker. Mm. And it worked on all those levels that you were just talking about, thinking about. Yeah. We don't need 
to sit, you know, if something's going wrong, we don't need an hour of meditation to shift it. It's literally 30 seconds. And I've taught people, I'm like, if, if you're in a boardroom meeting, just put your hands on the table. No one needs to know what you're doing. You don't need to close your eyes. Take three deep breaths. Mm. You don't have to go. <laughs> but you've centered yourself really quickly. Making my, own, making my nose itch. <laughs> Brilliant. See, it's working. <laughs> I love it. Oh, I love it. And so the another thing you, you're doing is teaching men that love that that you know that naughty four letter word mm, is actually not word. a naughty four letter word. So, well, why yeah. is this such a why is it such an issue, and why does it need to be taught? See, because there's this, there's this misconception similar to vulnerability that love is weakness. Mm. And if you love someone, then oh, you cannot be other than vulnerable. I love my wife dearly. You know, she might not come home one day. She might choose that this relationship's not working for her. I love my children. But something could happen to my children or my relationship with my children. And that's, that's love. And the acceptance of being in love is completely vulnerable. Now, if you can't accept vulnerability, you can't accept love. You can't do love properly. Or properly is the wrong word because it sounds a bit judgy, but you can't, you can't immerse yourself in the full experience of love. So that's the love going outwards, right? You have to be vulnerable to truly love someone. You can't sit on the fence. Yeah. And I, mean, I, would, I would suggest everyone knows someone, if it's not them, who was half in, half out of a relationship because they didn't want to get hurt or something like that. You have to, to fully experience it, you've got to jump in. It's back to the special ops soldier. He's vulnerable. He, he might get hurt. He might get killed. Same. But you, that's, why, that's why love's difficult because, and it's not, that's not a man thing. That's, that's across the spectrum. It's just men are better at avoiding love than women are generally. Generally, it's a it's a gross generalization. So, so do you have much resistance? You know, all from, the time. From, yeah, <laughs> all the time. <laughs> you know, we could add a layer onto love. We add another four letter word before it, and then then the shit starts to really hit the fan. You start talking about self love. Yeah. Now that's a problem for most men mm. until they start investigating stuff yeah because again did our dads or our forefathers display any kind of self-love not really but my generation i don't know anyone who oh maybe one or two men that are like yeah okay my dad was very loving towards us and would and was loving towards himself but it's rare like you're into single finger single figure percentages mm. so how do you direct love inwards well, there's a challenge again. Oh, but I'm not good enough. I don't deserve my own love. Mm. I need to be more. I'm not enough. All right, now we're getting into the work. Mm. And that's heavy, heavy stuff. That's heavy stuff. Because, and here's the interesting part. How can you really love someone else if you don't love yourself? Mm. How can you accept someone else's love for you if you don't love yourself? Oh, so that's that's the big stuff, and yeah, we don't normally jump into that straight away. 
know. You know. But it is, it's a big issue, isn't it? Not not just for men, like for no. everybody. It's self-love, no. self-worth, self-value. So, you know, all of that is, um, you know, I don't know why because, you know, if you think about our life when it starts, right, and we mm-hmm. were a baby and most people are fortunate enough to have parents who dote over them and tell them that, oh, it's wonderful, you know, so wonderful. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. And then, and, and, you know, so really we should be by default. Um, we should feel like we're the king of the bloody world, you know, and look yeah, at kings me. and queens, look at us. Everybody loves me, you know, that's the thing. But but then again, as, as I'm saying it, I'm thinking, no, but then as soon as we touch the TV, smack, don't touch, you know, and as soon as you start, start sit down, be quiet, you know, and then you get to school and it's shush, you shush, you know. But I suppose we get a beat, beaten out of us, don't we? So we start we, we off really our do. life. Yeah. Look, there's, we could talk for hours and hours upon the current model of schooling and how it's oh. deficient in terms of raising people to be conscious and connected to themselves. Yeah. Oh, that's a huge one. That's a huge yeah. one. But I know I learnt most of my stuff that I had to discard and that I'm still working on now. I learnt it explicitly at school, mm. whether it was the bullies in the schoolyard, whether it was the teacher telling me to shut up, whether it was, uh, you know, teachers not being accepting because I'd finished my work fast and I'd do it right and they were expecting something else from me. It was because you, know, you can be the class clown and be the dunce or you can be too smart for that class and mm. still get treated the same way. Yeah. So I was, I was the broad kid because I finished my work and then I'd cause trouble because, you know, I'd probably be given <laughs> some kind of drug now to calm me down. Yeah. <laughs> so that, and that's, that's what happens now. You just thought, and then... Yeah, this we don't have it so much in this day and age, but children should be seen and not heard. Shut up at the dinner table. Mm. But I catch myself still in patterns that aren't my patterns when I talk to my kids and I have to bring myself back to my children mm. and sit them down and apologise. Mm. I did not mean that. I don't even know where that came from. I'm really sorry. You did nothing wrong. Yeah, That was all me. And, and I know sometimes that it's, it's almost too late because I've already taken it in. Mm. So all I can do is do better next time. But that's I think that's what happened. And then you lay a media on top. Like when I, I grew up before the internet had kicked off, but all the girls were reading young girl magazines. Yeah. And with that is the inherent amount of judgment. Yeah. And then boys might be reading martial arts magazines and dudes have got six packs and can kick other people in the head or their car magazines or footy magazines. And look how amazing all these men are. Mm. I'm not, I'm not, I can't compete with that. I can't compete to that. And then, boom, thank you. We're in the comparison game. Yeah. And the comparison game is absolutely deadly. It, mm-hmm. it is deadly. But we all will do it. It's whether we can pull ourselves back from it. We, you know, we, it, it actually takes a lot of energy and a lot of mental struggle. Gymnastics. <laughs> mental gymnastics that's good to 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 even recognize that you're doing it you know because by default we just do it and we're like yeah but so and so you know and and most of us will go through our lives just blindly not even noticing that we're doing that and it takes a lot to actually say hang on a second well like I said before hang on a second that's not quite true but it it we're so reluctant to pull ourselves up because it takes way less energy to be on the I hate myself trail, do you know, because we just roll down that hill. There's just, yes. no, we don't do anything. Well, 
that's that's really an interesting thing. I think there's a perception that it's easier because we're used to it. Yeah, it's yeah. it's it's because it's habitual. So you know, our brains are brilliant with that kind of stuff. If we do something over and over and over and over again, we create a habit. There's a neural pathway. It becomes easy. But the amount of energy that's invested in self-loathing and doubt and guilt and all of that bullshit. And I just had a discussion with a very amazing lady about this, about it's actually really simple and not a lot of effort to I'm changing now. Yep. And just doing it or being it in a different way. It's never as much work as you build it up to be. Yep. <laughs> like I can tell you like people who are considering whether they want to do coaching work with me, the amount of excuses they will come up with, and it's never what they give me. It's never about that. Uh, it comes down to are you ready to make this change or not? Mm. And if you are, then the decision becomes am I your guy or is someone else? Not the, I don't have time, I don't have money, I'm not ready, I'll do it next year, oh, the mortgage is due in two days. No, none of that is real. Are you ready to do it now? And have you found the right person? Mm. That's it. And see, all of a sudden there's less energy involved in that. And, and I love that you're saying, am I the right guy? Because that's, you know, that's so important. I think that we, we and as coaches, you know, we have to be able to say, I Maybe I'm not your person. Do you, you know, like mm-hmm. instead of trying to grab everybody, you know, some people we just don't connect with. Some people are just not, and that doesn't make them wrong. Doesn't make it doesn't make it a bad relationship or a toxic one. It's just that no. some people we're not going to be the best person for. And it's 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 good for coaches to say, maybe we're not. Maybe we're not right, but I know Joe, you know, Joe over there going, see if he's okay. Because at the end of the day, a genuine coach should want people to find the right person so that we can all flourish. Because the more people on this planet that are flourishing, the closer we're going to get to some kind of, I can live here and I can live in a little bit of peace. You you know, that's that's what we want. How beautiful, how beautiful that is. So in the intro, um, I talked about when I introduced you, you helping people to live the best life possible. And within that, you in, envelop calmness and contentment. So we're all different. How, how do you mm-hmm. reach a place where, you know, that is your best life possible? Like, like how do we know what is our best life possible? And how does that feel, in your opinion, because you can't talk for everybody? I can't, but, but I'll, I always approach this in a really general sense because I think in modern society we're too focused on stuff and things. So success is the car, the yacht, the three mm. houses. It is a, it's a feeling of being grounded and being okay with things as they are. So $20,000 in debt, but I'm okay with the way things are. Boom, you're living your best life. Yeah. And because you've created yourself some space there, the worry's gone potentially. You can work towards removing that debt. Yeah. I mean, there are people that have got millions, if not billions of dollars and all of the bells and whistles and frills Mm. and they are not, quote, unquote, happy. Yeah. And I'm not a big fan of using the word happy because I think uh, what's wrong with sad? Sad's just as valid as happy. 
So I would talk about being content. And, and content is grounded and okay with what's happening right now, not feeling like I'm missing something. Yeah. And I like you saying happy and sad and, and the and happiness. We're all trying to, everyone's chasing happiness. And I remember I, I remember working in a, um, I was a teacher, a VCAL teacher, and there was three of us and we're having this conversation, you know, and I said to everyone, what's happy? And, and they're, they're both looking at me like, what, what do you mean? Happy is happy. And I'm like, but happy is what happy like like how do we how do we determine what happy is and so it's a, uh-huh. it's a great thing I love your explanation actually because you're rather than saying uh, my best life is oh doing all the things I want to do and having all the money and doing all much you know I love how simplified you're making that and my best life is not all the haves but being okay with the have-nots do you, you know that this is just this is okay. I can get up every morning. I can sleep well. I can, I've got enough, you know, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm just at peace. And I think a lot of people could learn from that because I, I, I think that a lot of us are chasing, 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 chasing. And that comes back to that comparison thing, you know, but someone else has got that, you know, and mm-hmm. with get off the bench, you know, I, I get people to, um, chase chase their best life but it's about what's that thing in here that you just want to do and you're just not doing do you know it's about that it's it's not about chasing everything it's just about chasing what's that one thing that you keep saying I wish I could I wish I could I wish I could I should have you know that just that one thing but you know well this podcast is about um I've loved this conversation by the way and I hope that uh most of my most of my listeners are female. However, when we talked about before, uh, men doing work on themselves, it impacts their relationships. So most of these females are going to have a man in their life that is probably um, not, you know, not stepping into his vulnerability and not step, stepping into his heart, you know, and that sort of stuff. So, um you know, I'd like for them to listen to this and say, I, I know someone is doing men's coaching. Maybe, honey, you should. Um, yes. <laughs> we, maybe we should. Give this in. guy a call. No <laughs> stuff. It's not just about looking at their husband or partner and thinking, oh, my God, you really need some men's work, you know, because you're you're acting like a dickhead and you've been too much on that. It's not about that. It's actually also about looking at your partner and thinking you're in pain. You know, you know, I, I see you being in pain because you're not, um, you know, things hurt you and you don't express it and you, you don't talk about it and you don't cry. And, and, and so I'm sure there's a lot of women who've got a male partner or a male in their life who is, um, or, or men who have got them up, whatever it is, there's a males in mm-hmm. people's lives who are sitting there in pain because they're simply not sitting in their heart and expressing themselves. And so. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, aside from the whole coaching experience, like men are so unlikely to, to seek help in a therapeutic context, mm. but just so, yeah, it's just amazing how that's, there's such a barrier there. So where do you go to talk? Where do, where do you let that out? And there need to be places that are more helpful than the pub over three beers yeah. or more. And so that, and there are ways. And having these conversations, which is why I'm so deeply thankful for your time and having me, 
having these conversations allows men and their partners to understand, oh, there are places, there are coaches, there are therapists who will sit, there are men's groups. There are places to have conversations. Yeah. And if you think about it, men are seeking those places because you just talked about going to the pub and having three beers. They are going there seeking, seeking that place, but they're not they're not sharing. They go to men's sheds. Do you, you know men's sheds are so popular, mm. but they're not they're not sharing. They're, they're, it's almost like they're going there wanting, wanting, wanting something, but it's it it's not, they're not sharing that sort of stuff. Mm. Anyway, okay, so my, this this podcast is um, Get Off the Bench to inspire people to back themselves and take action, which you've done many times over. Um, what advice would you give to men who feel a bit stuck, like they know there's a better life, but they feel too blokey to admit that or seek support? There's a lot in that. Oh, layers, <laughs> layers. The simple answer, which will not be easy for some men, is ask for help. And it doesn't matter who you ask. Mm. And it can be over a beer with your best mate and just say, mate, I'm in pain. I need help. Will you listen to me? Yeah. And, and it, or your dad, your uncle, your mum, it doesn't matter. It doesn't have to be a man. And you know the next step outside if that if it's too close to home, go and find a professional. Mm. You you don't even have to pay for it. There are volunteer services. Um, one of the things I really love because it's very gentle and it's very supportive and it's not therapy. I must I must absolutely stress that it's not therapy. Is there are men's circles that are open that you can go and sit in. Mm. and your experience will be validated and you will feel normal. Your experience will feel normal. You will listen to other men's stories and they will listen to yours and you won't be given advice on how to fix it. Mm. You'll just be heard. Yeah. So investigate how you can ask for help. And I think when that first man cracks the seal, you know, and says, I need help, the next man will listen, no worries, mate, and give him a cuddle. Do you, you know what I mean? And, and just uh, it sort of opens up a whole series of things. It just takes that first one to be vulnerable. Mm-hmm. And well, hopefully, then, you know, people do that. And then they, uh, you know, eventually come around to you and do, do some deep, deep, deeper work, you know, to really. That's the stuff I love. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it, I mean, that takes a lot. And, you know, that might not be the first move, but it could be. It could be the first move if people have got the. Uh, ready and I think it's the pain level you know I really want to do this and I really want things to be better so I've loved this conversation absolutely loved it I I really hope it gets to some men and you know really that men listen to it their partners listen to it and give it you know tell them you need to listen to this conversation and I I really do because we uh, this is not judgmental but we need more it's going to sound like I'm picking on men I'm not but we need space for more men to be open and vulnerable where we can just have a lot more gentleness in the world without having to prove all the stuff. It's just we don't need all the aggression in the world that we're having simply because boys have inherited, um, 
you know, that kind of stuff. And then they've grown up believing that they have to be tough and macho and belt people up and everything else. So yeah, I think we can have more gentle men in the world, um, you know, bring back the old gentleman, you know, uh, word. I think that we would yeah. be. In the truest sense. Yeah. I think we'd be in a much better place. Real, I really do. And I'm not saying that all women are perfect. But anyway, let's not go down that rabbit hole. Adam, where can people find you? <laughs> uh, I'm on every social media platform, first name, surname, Adam Stenecki. You spell it the way you say it. It's pretty easy to find. Uh, if you type me in, you will find me because as far as I'm aware, I might be the only Adam Stenecki on the planet right now. And if there's a, and if if there's another one, he's in Poland somewhere and he's not on any of the social media channels. My website's adamstenecki.com. So that's probably the easiest way to find me. And I'm going to put all these um, links in the show notes anyway. So uh, people can just click on through. And Adam, I have absolutely loved this conversation. And there needs to be more of this type of conversation um, out in the world. And, you know, many, many more beautiful vibes going out and touching people's hearts and opening people's hearts and what a world we'd have. So thank you so much for your time. I've truly loved it. You're just amazing and wonderful. Wonderful. Thank you. Thank you so much, Karen. I honestly greatly appreciate this time. My pleasure. All right. Well, hopefully I'll catch, I'll catch up with you when I come up to Noosa. All right. Absolutely. It's a date. <laughs> All right. Thanks heaps. See ya. <laughs> Oh, guys, I really hope you love that. I loved it. What a fantastic conversation. It's just such a thing. It's not just men, you know, who, who are often um, not wanting to step into their vulnerability and not wanting to, you know, to, that they see that kind of thing as a weakness. But, man, it is not a weakness. You know, the, the more vulnerable the world can be, male and female, what a great opportunity to really, really live with our hearts and to share love and to, I know that sounds, sometimes people think sharing love, it sounds a bit wantsy, but it's not. Like we have to put more love into the world. We really have to. Anyway, if you've got a man in your life that you think could do with this, please, please check him out. Um, Adam is at adamstanecki.com.au. So it's Adam. And then Stanecki is S-T-A-N-E-C-K-I.com.au. Check him out. Follow him on um, LinkedIn and Instagram, Facebook, all of that kind of stuff. Check out his website. And I really hope that something in that conversation um, touched you, triggered you, I don't know, just made you made something move in your heart because I think it was a really lovely conversation. So anyway, that's it from me. I hope you enjoyed it. Thank you for joining me and I'll see you next week. See ya. Thanks for joining me. As always, I hope this episode inspired you. If you know somebody who's taken courageous action to create something that's making a difference for other people, let me know about it. Go to my website, karenvaughan.com. Tinker around there, have a bit of a look and send me a message. I can't wait to hear from you. And remember, you're worth it. Your unique talents and gifts need to be out in this world. And I'm so passionate about inspiring you to achieve that. So you've listened to this episode. Just say yes, make the decision and put one foot in front of the other. See you next week.